Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in, buckle up, let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've seen quite a drop-off in cattle prices here over the last few weeks, and that could affect your stocker budget. With wheat pasture going in the ground right now, you need to sharpen up your pencil if you plan on grazing some stockers this fall and winter, because the changes we've seen over the last couple of weeks may affect your profitability. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We've certainly had a strange experience with our summer crops this year in the Texas High Plains as those crops have gotten a big boost from a bunch of really nice rains but have also been hurt by long dry spells, all in the same season. I'm James Hunt and I'll have the latest on Texas Ag Today. Protecting the United States livestock industry from African swine fever. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Cotton harvest has started in the central Texas blacklands. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The cattle market has dropped significantly over the past month, and that means stocker operators who are planning to graze cattle this winter should run the numbers to make sure there's still a profit to be made. Well, I tell you, the budgets have changed pretty dramatically in the last two or three weeks. Oklahoma State University livestock economist Daryl Peel. When you figure in what the futures market has done in terms of uh, what it suggests uh, for a sale price in the spring, but, you know, those budgets have looked pretty good uh, going into the fall. And, and we really had two questions. What will be the seasonal pattern in terms of the purchase price for these cattle as we get into the fall? They are weakening a little bit, but they may not weaken very much. Uh, on the other hand, again, that futures market has uh, has undergone a significant correction, which takes a lot of the you know the the gravy out of that uh, stocker budget, if you will, at this point in time. Peel says he feels like the cattle market is currently oversold, and he believes we should see a bit of a recovery in the coming weeks. Texas FFA has a new executive director. A former FFA member and agricultural science teacher has taken the reins at the Texas FFA Association. Jennifer Jackson stepped in her new role as executive director October 1st. She was an FFA advisor and agricultural science teacher for 15 years. She served on numerous appointed state and national advisory committees pertaining to agricultural science and career and technical education. Prior to serving as the executive director, Jackson was the student recognition and scholarship coordinator with the Texas FFA Association. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, 
I'm Jessica Domel. A Texan has been appointed to serve on the American Lamb Board. David Fisher has 1,500 head of sheep on his HF4 ranch near Sonora, Texas. He says he's happy to volunteer his time to promote the sheep industry. It's just something that I'm real passionate about, and I've been pretty active with the American sheep industry and and several areas, and we just have a lack of leadership, especially in what I would consider the younger group coming out of Texas. And we're the largest, you know, sheep producing state in the country, and we have a really diverse and dynamic market here that most people don't understand. So I just felt like somebody needed to be representing sheep producers from Texas on on our you know national checkoff board. So I was willing willing to do it and and have the energy to do it, you know, at this point in my life and and super passionate about it. Fisher will serve a three-year term on the American Lamb Board. Texas High Plains farmers have seen their share of rainy spells and dry spells here in 2021. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. We have, in general, been hearing some positive things on the outlook for yields around the area, thanks to those good rains in the early and middle portions of the summer growing season. But Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Calvin Trossel says he's seen signs that the prolonged dry spell that followed those rains hurt some area dryland production. I've looked at several sorghum fields, but we don't understand why they didn't maybe produce or head out as well as they should have. We think maybe what have happened in some areas here in Lubbock and North and around the region is with so much rain, the sorghum didn't develop the root system that it needs to deal with very dry conditions. And so when it did become dry, the root system had to go to growing and could keep up with crop demands. And so that's why we see some spots here and there with some sorghum that doesn't match what we thought we were seeing. On the happier side, we did get some nice rains around the region on Thursday and Friday last week, and Dr. Trossel's AgriLife colleague and fellow agronomist Jordan Bell says getting some late-season rains like these can help a crop's standability. If we have a crop that is in a later stage of development and it is using all of the moisture in the field, it is using the moisture in its stock to finish out that grain, it is more prone to lodging or falling down in the field. So getting some late rain that is timely, not too intense, can actually help finish off that crop and ensure good standability. Area farmers who are trying to get winter wheat going certainly appreciated last week's rains as well, but the weather forecast now indicates we're likely back to the dry side at least through the weekend. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. African swine fever has made its way to the Dominican Republic and Haiti, but efforts are underway to keep that disease out of the U.S. Tom Nicoletti has more. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack is praising research and protection efforts underway at the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Agricultural Research Service and Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, APHIS, to prevent the spread of African swine fever virus. The virus has been causing devastating losses to the swine industry across the world. Vilsack said, quote, USDA agencies are working together to protect U.S. livestock from foreign and emerging animal diseases that could harm our economy and public health. The Ag Secretary said APHIS has done tremendous work to establish protection zones to safeguard the entire U.S. swine industry. He added that scientific research, discovery, surveillance, and detection are critical to solving challenging problems that American producers face to keep the food supply robust and safe. 
African swine fever was originally detected in 2007 in the Republic of Georgia and is known to cause severe deadly disease outbreaks in wild and domesticated swine. Since the original outbreak, African swine fever has had a widespread and lethal impact on swine herds in various countries in Eastern and Central Europe and throughout Asia. Although the virus is causing profound economic losses to the swine industry, there have not been any U.S. outbreaks. However, a few weeks ago, ASF outbreaks were confirmed in the Dominican Republic, the first outbreak in the Americas in recent history. APHIS has executed safeguards to prevent African swine fever from entering the United States. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton harvest is getting underway in the central Texas Blacklands. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Cotton harvest is underway in central Texas, and as you drive through our area, you might notice some fields are white with no leaves, just all you see is cotton bowls. And then on other fields, there's still a lot of green leaves in that with the, the white pretty bowls of cotton. Fields of all white have had a defoliant or desiccant applied to them. These products are referred to as harvest aids. Those defoliants make the plant drop their leaves, and a desiccant, of course, kills the plant, which allows those leaves to fall off and be removed during the harvest process. The use of these harvest aid chemicals allows those producers to collect the cotton when the lit yield and fiber quality is at the highest level. Cotton farmers will match their harvest state applications to the harvest capacity. Uh, timing is extremely important, and poor defoliation timing can negatively impact lint yield and fiber quality. Generally, we go by uh, the four nodes above a cracked bowl is safe for defoliant, and two nodes above a cracked bowl is safe for the desiccant. So that's why you're seeing a, a mix of, of uh, leaves and green and white on our cotton fields as farmers are just matching uh, their harvest, what they're doing, to what they can actually get sprayed and, and be able to harvest in a timely manner with the weather permitting. After applying these harvest aids, of course, it's going to take about 7 to 14 days for the full effect of those products to work, depending on the weather. Usually, uh, the foliage and desiccants will take about 7 days. Cotton yields uh, early in the harvest season have been very good. If weather cooperates, cotton harvest for 2021 could offer extremely good yields and high-quality fiber which does allow our cotton farmers to obtain a good price for their, their ag commodity. Cotton farmers would prefer it to stay dry until finish uh, of cotton harvest season. Dry weather does allow much higher fiber quality than cotton that would get rained on, of course, during the, the harvest season. Hay continues to be baled in central Texas, and most of our warm season grasses have slowed growth due to just being hot and dry. A timely rain for hay would be good as we could get another round of hay cut before the end of the growing season. There is some wheat and oats being dusted in for grazing, and when it does rain, those oats and wheat would germinate and then grow and offer some early season grazing for livestock. It's still too early to plant grain for seed collection. Most of our grain planted for grain harvest won't start until November. This is Dr. Shane McClellan reporting from Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. Texas hunters still have a chance to win big as part of this year's Banded Bird Challenge. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And aggressive dogs are not pleasant to be around. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Aggressive dogs are just no fun to be around. I know, I've had one for the last 10 years. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at the problem. Scientific studies show there are certain breeds that are more likely to be aggressive toward other dogs, including Jack Russell Terriers, Akitas, and Pit Bull Terriers. Dr. Amy Pike at Animal Behavior Wellness Center indicates English Springer Spaniels bred for show are more aggressive toward other dogs than the same breed that is bred for field use. Intact male dogs are more likely to be aggressive toward other dogs than neutered dogs, and female dogs in general are more aggressive than male dogs. Dogs should be socialized with other dogs from 3 to 14 weeks of age. And those that are not socialized during this period or those that do not live with other dogs are more likely to be aggressive toward unfamiliar dogs. And since this behavior may be genetic, it is not recommended to breed aggressive dogs. Also, spaying and neutering is unlikely to resolve aggression to other dogs once this behavior has begun. As far as human interactions, spayed dogs were less likely to be aggressive toward humans and older dogs were more aggressive than younger dogs. Working dogs and hounds were found to be more aggressive to people, while dogs used for hunting birds were less aggressive. Dogs that attend a puppy training class were also less aggressive to humans. However, these are all general guidelines, and the actual behavior of a dog is an individual characteristic, as there are aggressive and non-aggressive dogs of all breeds. Determining the reason that a dog is aggressive can be a complicated problem and your veterinarian may be able to help or refer you to a veterinary behaviorist if necessary. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas hunters still have a chance to win big in the Banded Bird Challenge. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. Texas dove hunters still have an opportunity to win a new ATV, exotic game hunt, gift card, pickup truck, or other prize just for bagging a banded invasive Eurasian collar dove and reporting it to the Texas Dove Hunters Association. It is all part of this year's Banded Bird Challenge. The challenge is a research project developed to study the invasive Eurasian collar dove and how they may be impacting our native species. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the Texas Dove Hunters Association, says the association captured, banded, and released 800 Eurasian collar doves this year for the project. The bands that are released in the previous years do not expire. So if you were to harvest one from three years ago, you still have the same chance of winning the same prizes as everybody else that harvests one from this year. The reason for this is because we want the data on all bands that are released because aging these birds is part of the research. To be eligible for a prize, hunters must enter the Banded Bird Challenge before hunting. This year, there are five prize divisions, including one for youth and another for outfitters. We encourage outfitters all across the state to get in and enter, and then if any of their paid guns were to harvest one of these bands, then the outfitter is eligible 
to win a prize, of which we have uh, Baffin Bay Rod and Gun Club down in Baffin Bay to go out two fishermen one night to fish the next morning and go out on a trophy trout fishing trip. The high school division grand prize is a $1,000 scholarship. The youth division grand prize is a two-day, one-night dove hunt for two hunters. The overall grand prize for the contest is a brand new pickup truck. Entry is $20 per person. Youth ages 10 to 13 may enter for free. The challenge is underway now, and it will continue through sunset on December 31st. You can enter and see this year's rules and prizes on bandedbirdchallenge.com. That is bandedbirdchallenge.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw another move upward in the cattle market on Tuesday, but the big news was in the cotton market where prices were limit up on the three nearby contracts. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw mostly higher closing the cattle complex on Tuesday, following up from that nice run-up we saw Monday. However, we did have a couple of contracts that were lower in the live cattle market. October live cattle finishing 20 higher, 122.82. The December down 20 cents, 127.85, while February was up 35 to close at 132.75. However, we did still see some nice gains in the feeder cattle market Tuesday. October feeders up a dollar 10, 156.10. The November up a dollar 85. 15687 January feeder cattle up a dollar 72 at 15727 cash fed cattle trade all quiet on Tuesday about the only thing we see happening is a few asking prices here in the south looks like the feedlots are asking 125 this week Boxed beef prices were mixed on Tuesday the choice down 32 cents at 28886 Select was up 378 at 268.94. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's the auction report from Jody Fry. Producers in Cargill, San Angelo, they sold them on Thursday. Last Thursday, in fact. Jody, how'd that thing turn out? How many noses did you end up counting? Better quality kids holding up there pretty good compared with last week's sale. The kids in New Orleans calling those another three to five dollars lower. Slaughter bulls calling those weak to two dollars lower. Slaughter cows today selling two to four dollars lower. Bred cows and a handful of cow calf pairs they sold fully steady. Better quality steers four to six hundred pounds from one twenty all the way up to a high of one seventy, mostly one thirty to one forty five. Six to eight hundred pound steers from one ten up to a high of around one forty, mostly one twenty to one thirty. Better quality heifer calves four to six hundred pounds from one ten up to a high of 145 mostly 120 to 130 six to eight hundred pound heifers from a dollar to a dollar 25 slaughter cows average to high yielding from 46 to 58 some of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 60 
to 65. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, still several of those from 30 to 45. Slaughter bulls averaged a high yielding from 70 to 88. Had some of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 90 to 95. Red cows and bred two-year-olds had a few young heavy breads anywhere from 850 to 1,000. Cow-calf pairs, a few small packages today. Uh, young to middle-aged pairs from 950 to 1275. How are you feeling about next week? Well, sheep and goat sale could be a little lighter. Cattle numbers, if everything works out, look for a bigger cattle sale next week. We've got that special cow sale on Thursday. Had a couple of loads of uh, middle-aged Brangus cows. They'll be spring Kevin cows, but they will be there next Thursday. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody. We'll be there at the office, 325-653-3371. My mobile phone would be same area code, 234-7895. Jody, thanks for joining me. Neighbor, thank you most of all. You've been listening to Walk in the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs closed mixed. Nearby October was up 17, 90, 97. December hogs down 55, 82, 55. Class 3 milk was mixed. October milk down a penny, 18, 19, 100 weight. November milk up 15 at 18, 57. We were off to the races once again in the cotton market on Tuesday. The three nearby contracts locked limit up 400 points. Speculator and mill on-call buying continuing to support prices as well as the fundamental factors of very strong world demand and this late developing crop we have here in the U.S. All of that adding up to a limit up move on Tuesday. December cotton up 400 points, 108.93. The March up 400, closing at 106.59. Looking ahead at the December 22 contract, it was up 148 points to close at 87.37. We saw pressure in the grain markets on Tuesday, a lower close for both corn and wheat. Harvest pressure keeping a lid on corn prices right now. December corn down three and a quarter, 537 and a half. March down three and three quarters, 546 a bushel. Both hard and soft wheat closing lower. July Kansas City wheat down 11 and a quarter, 740 a bushel. July Chicago wheat down eight and a quarter to finish at 741. In the energy markets, we saw a big jump in natural gas again. November gas up 53 to close at 629. November crude oil up $1.52, 7914 a barrel. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.